Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to FXE Live. No, this isn't the gesture. This is JT coming to you live Wednesday night, and we have a surprise for everyone. Wrestling legend Larry Zabisco will be joining us tonight. I'm so excited about this. I've been thinking about this all week. This guy personifies what wrestling is. So we are in for a show tonight. The gesture should be along here. Very soon. Who? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. The Jester. Who? Who are you looking for? We gotta have the Jester. Hello. Is Jester there? Jester, not here, please. I believe that is the Jester. That would be the one, the only. Wasn't gonna miss this show, folks. Not at all. Not at all. How's everything going tonight, JT? Everything's going good. We got Larry Zabisco on the show. Are you kidding me? Yeah, how can it go bad? How can it go bad? Yeah. We've got Larry Zabisco on tonight. We've got the usual suspects. We have you. Thanks for going ahead and getting things started uh, while I was getting things set up over here. We've got you. We've got Joey Cage. We might get Busy J, actually, to come in for a little bit. I know he wanted to go ahead and speak to right. uh, Larry when he comes in. So, you know, we've got a lot going on. We have, obviously, WWE to talk about and SmackDown and the updates with that. So, you know, it's been a uh, an interesting week. As we build up now, you know, we're getting ready for uh, the clash. And um, yeah. i tell you, we're waiting on uh, Joey Cage to come on in uh, next. Uh, sure. Let's see. Let's see if he's here. Joey, are you on the line there, sir? Are you on the line? Hello. There he is. Hey, Joey. How are you tonight? Good, good. How are you guys? Great. Well, you know, 
I can't complain for the most part, you know, as we've been talking about, we're getting ready to have a, a legend with us. Larry Zabisco is going to join us. And I know, Joey, uh, we talked to you in the production meeting. I know you're very excited about this. Very excited. You know, you're talking about a guy that is a legitimate living legend in the world of pro wrestling, uh, having been involved early on with WCW, uh, with uh, WWE when it was WWF, and for having a legendary feud with Bruno San Martino. Um, there's a lot, you know, this, this guy knows the business. He knows, uh, he's very, very smart, you know, has been through it all, has pretty much seen it all. And I mean, all week long, I've been excited and have been, you know, just waiting for the opportunity to talk to him. I'm pumped to be on the show. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, not very often in life do you get to talk to a legend and a Hall of Famer, and when you have that opportunity, it's, uh, you know, obviously obviously an exciting time for all of us here. As uh, we get ready to go to Larry Land, the most legendary place on earth, uh, but before we do, we're going to go ahead. We've got WWE to talk about and the most recent article by Joey Cage and um, the coverage for Raw. You know, Joey, we've got you on the line, and, you know, go ahead. You know, you're part of FantasyJusticeSports.com. You write every week for WWE, for Raw, and for SmackDown. And, you know, go ahead. Give me give me what popped out at you at the uh, last Raw uh, as they were going and getting ready for this pay-per-view. Well, I think the biggest thing to take away uh, from this episode of Monday Night Raw is, you know, it, 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 there were so many different stories going on and so many, you know, continuing as we get closer to the pay-per-view. But the biggest and most intriguing storyline that probably took place on Monday Night Raw was at the very end of the night as uh, Roman Reigns is getting beat down by Kevin Owens and Rusev. Uh, Seth Rollins comes out uh, to a huge pop uh, from the crowd to make the save, uh, diving off the top of the steel cage, taking out Rusev and Kevin Owens. And it's a very interesting storyline that I think WWE is, you know, going closer towards uh, that Shield reunion. And I think that that's, you know, one of the things that I've noticed fans talking about the most regarding Monday night is exactly that. Um, the other thing that really stood out about Monday night, of course, was the debut of the cruiserweight division. Uh, we saw four extremely talented cruiserweights. Uh, in the ring, and Metallic, in my opinion, is a very, very talented guy, uh, performer in the ring. I mean, the stuff that he does, it is it is fun to watch, and I think that they put on a great debut, really set the tone for that cruiserweight, that new cruiserweight division on Monday Night Raw, and I'm excited to see Brian Kendrick against uh, TJ Perkins for the cruiserweight title at the upcoming pay-per-view. Who do you think has that one? I think they're going to keep it on Perkins uh, at least through one show. Uh, in my opinion, it wouldn't necess- it wouldn't really make too much sense for them to put the belt on him through the Cruiserweight Classic and then to take it off on the very you know first show that they're on, or at least pay-per-view, rather. But I think that T.J. Perkins wins this one. But I will say that Brian Kendrick has gone through a renaissance. Uh, for those that remember, he is a former WWE Tag Team Champion. Uh, when he was last with the company, he is a pretty talented and eccentric individual uh, who has absolutely revitalized his career 
and will likely hold that title in the near future. Okay. All righty. Uh, and, uh, you know, before we get to SmackDown, and I'm going to ask JT the same thing about SmackDown now, what jumped out at him. Let's go ahead and get our uh, other guest in. Good old Busy Jay from New York calling in tonight and going to, you know, I know you're a big wrestling fan, and, and I'm sure you're as excited as the rest of us uh, regarding our guest tonight, the uh, one, the only, uh, Larry Zabisco. How are you today, uh, Busy? I'm good. How's everybody doing? You know, Everybody's like right? I said, we're all we're all ready to go. We're, we're you know, I mean, like I was saying uh, just before you called, it's not often you get to talk to a legend, to a Hall of Famer in any sport. So you know, when you get that opportunity to do so, it's a fun time for anybody, uh, not just somebody in the business, but you know, like a fan of the sport yourself. Correct. Correct. All righty. Totally uh, go ahead. Going uh, into the SmackDown, and uh, I want to get JT in on this, and then I want to talk to Busy J uh, next after uh, JT. JT, what about SmackDown did you see that you either liked or really didn't like? Uh, well, I mean, we see Randy Orton, obviously, at this point, medically cleared to compete. Uh, Eric Rowan, if I'm not mistaken, I did like the Bray Wyatt, uh, you know, Titantron promos that were going on. It was a good way to taunt Orton. I enjoyed that. I do see uh, Baron Corbin defeating Apollo Crews yet once again. But like I said last week, the part of SmackDown that has me intrigued is the return of Jack Swagger. I'm hoping we see the Real Americans Jack Swagger, the guy that made uh, continued the ankle lock after Kurt Angle left. I'm hoping we see more of that guy. Uh, but Typical SmackDown episode, uh, nothing huge, nothing, you know, that blew my mind. Just some nice matches, and, you know, Jack Swagger to me is the whole reason I'm watching that show at this point. Interesting. You know, I, I brought up uh, something interesting. I was talking with Joey today. We were actually uh, having a meeting about a, a wrestling event that's coming up, and we were just talking about about that, and we got on the subject of uh, WWE and it's a question that I really want to put to everybody. And I'm going to go with busy J first. And then, you know, Joey, I want you to give your answer that you gave. And then JT, I, I like your opinion on what everybody says. I have, um, you know, you're looking at the lineup here. Now, Ambrose just lost the belt. Now, you're getting ready to watch what could potentially be both Rollins and Reigns both lose their shot at the belt. Is this where they just say, okay, enough is enough, and the shield gets back together? Or are they going to do just the opposite? Are they going to go ahead and put this strap on all three of them? and bring them back together, starting with this weekend where you get Rollins and Reigns, both with a belt back on. Busy J, your opinion first. I personally believe we're going to get the show real, but it's not going to happen until Survivor Series. I think this Sunday, I think Roman Reigns loses or somehow gets screwed out of the U.S. title, and I think Triple H wears his ugly head again and he's going to cost Seth Rollins the universal title. 
and we're going to get the formation of the authority 3.0, led by Kevin Owens, Triple H, Stephanie. I also think Mick Foley might lose his job Sunday night. We'll see how that turns out. But I think when the Survivor Series, that's going to be the next time both brands are going to be together. I think that's when you're going to get the Shield reunion. All right, all right. Um, Joey, go ahead and tell everybody what you were uh, talking about, what you felt was going to happen. Well, my biggest thing with the whole thing is that the Shield absolutely are reuniting, whether it's now down the, down the road or, you know, somewhere within the next year. I agree with Busy J. I believe that it'll happen around Survivor Series or perhaps at Survivor Series um, and no later than the Royal Rumble for sure. But in regards to this situation, though, I honestly have to say I agree with a good majority of what Dizzy said. Uh, I truly believe Roman Reigns will lose maybe even cleanly to Rusev um, and just realize, you know, that he's, he's chasing, you know, nothing at that point and um, or will just flat out lose that feud to put over Rusev, which I think would be WWE's plan. Uh, the other thing Seth Rollins is not winning the Universal title. They're not taking it off of Kevin Owens, and I also think that Triple H will be involved in some way with the decision of that match. Uh, and as in regards to Ambrose, and this is what paints the, the picture in a way, is that Ambrose is also not winning back the title. WWE has invested heavily uh, into AJ Styles and truly views him as their next John Cena. Uh, they've given him the appropriate push, They've given him added merchandise. They've done so much with him, as well as put their main title on a former TNA guy, uh, which is pretty unprecedented and just in general, you know, is something huge. Uh, But AJ Styles will retain the title in that triple threat match, um, which would leave Ambrose, Rollins, and Reigns all defeated without a title. And as, as it was teased this past Monday with Rollins saving Roman, I think you're going to see the Shield reunite very soon. You know, very interesting uh, there because, you know, again, it could really go either way, but the more that you talk about it, the more that makes sense. And, you know, again, having Triple H come into the picture to help Owens would, you know, really cause for, you know, the Shield get, you know, maybe that would be what would, you know, set them off. Who knows what they've got planned for how they would, could possibly lose this uh, this weekend, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. JT, what do you have? Well, you can't have Triple H as an antagonist, like you said, to help Owens win the belt and not have him involved in the finale of this. Uh, I agree with everything Busy's saying and Joey Cage is saying. It makes sense, but here's the one caveat to all this. This is all depending on WWE making sense. That's not a safe bet in the world I live in. So who knows what they're going to do at this point? They've done some stuff that's been completely outlandish up to this point that I never would have saw them do. So is it a good bet? Is it a bad bet? But I agree with both of what you guys are saying. You make a lot of sense on this. Uh, JT, I just want to – I'll tell you why, you know, it it makes way too much sense. And that's the thing is that – Back when Daniel Bryan had that run leading up to WrestleMania to win the title, okay, it just made too much sense. You have a guy in Ambrose who, by all accounts, kind of plateaued as champion. His character 
wasn't as exciting to a lot of people as it was when he was, you know, a little bit of right. a tweener. And then you're talking about Roman Reigns, who would benefit tremendously from being back in the shield. I mean, he would instantly be liked again. And even more so to the point, it would give him the chance to continue to be around his guys and just give his character the kind of, re, you know, reinvigoration that it needs so that he can go either after the shield, he can go face or something, you know, and be a face champion again or something like that. But to me, the shield move, okay, aside from being what's quote unquote best for business, as they say, uh, aside from that, it would tremendously help Roman and it would be, I mean, huge for WWE, you know, overall. A lot of people that I've heard within WWE felt that the shield was broken up at the right time, but that there was absolutely every intention of having them get back together as they certainly have been one of the more dominant factions in recent memory uh, in WWE. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this real quick. JT? Do you see this this as a precursor to – a Seth Rollins Triple H WrestleMania match. It seems like maybe he's going to work his way through the Shield each WrestleMania. Uh, you know, does this is this something you see on the uh, horizon? Yes, absolutely. Seth Rollins will take on Triple H at this year's WrestleMania. That is 100 percent correct. Can anybody hear me? Hello. Can anybody hear me? Yep, I hear you. How's the mic sound? They just uh, gave me my old mic back. They said that it should be fixed. How do I sound? It's not. It's loud, it's loud and clear. Loud and clear. Loud and clear. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Not on my end. Not on your end, huh? You're cutting in and out. All right. I'll go back to. Go back to the old mic. How's that sound? Much better. Well, like sounds good. Yeah. All right. I want to get this cleared up and make sure I got the right, a good mic for when uh, Larry comes on. I want to be able to hear me. I don't care if he hears you guys. I want to make sure he hears me. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, moving along, let me ask you guys, and, uh, you know, I, I want to ask uh, JT this. Who's next from NXT to come up? Any Any feeling on that who might be next? I would, you would think it would be Samoa Joe at this point, but you know, going along with with way what they've done with NXT and what Triple H is doing with all of his NXT guys, uh, maybe we see the women's champ get into the mix on SmackDown. That's my guess. Going to be, going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. Um, what about what about you, Busy uh, J? Who do you think it might be next from NXT? Is it, is it Samoa Joe? Is it is it Nakamura? What are you feeling? I actually think it should be the revival. They're the best tag team champ. They're the best tag team in the whole company of WWE. They need something on SmackDown. I would bring up the revival. Samoa Joe, yes, he's going to eventually come up. I think he comes up around Royal Rumble time. But SmackDown needs something. They need something in that tag team division to push and to challenge American Eiffel when they get the straps later down the line. I'm going. To, I'm going with the revival. Best tag team in the company. Good call. Good call. Joey Cage. You know, I think it's interesting because Samoa Joe is someone that absolutely will be on the main roster one day. And I would almost have to agree again with Disney's assessment that Royal Rumble is probably around that time. Perhaps he makes his debut in the Royal Rumble 
The only issue with him anytime soon is that, you know, even on both brands, there are so many quote-unquote players that WWE has to play with before they really enter a true contender, you know, into the mix. You know what I mean? There's so much that that they have to do and that they're doing right now. You know, AJ Styles is going to hold that, you know, that belt for some time. And, you know, when Finn Balor comes back, he's almost definitely going to hold the Universal Championship, uh, which could set up a feud between Balor and Samoa Joe, reviving their feud from NXT. Um, I think that's certainly the case with him. In regards to who can come up, I really like your pick, uh, Busy, uh, with the Revival. They are a great tag team and would be a great team uh, to feud with American Alpha. I think that, you know, NXT needs Samoa Joe and Nakamura right now. They absolutely do. And if they were to be called up anytime soon, it could potentially be a very bad mistake by WWE. So I think you keep them there as, you know, the stars of that show, and you bring up, say, either the women's champion or the revival. Either one is a good choice because you want to leave those two stars on that show. Well, totally agree. Totally you know, agree. this is why I love having you guys on because you get such great, great, great opinions on here. You really do. You guys all bring in. This is why, folks, this is where you got to go each and every week for your coverage of WWE NXT. You know, you talked to... Hmm. One of the guys that I, I keep hearing everybody, am I the only one that keeps hearing Goldberg's name brought around? And is this really going to happen, JT? What do you think? You keep hearing his name brought up. Uh, you still hear people chanting his name in, in, in crowds during live shows. Uh, but yet we have seen absolutely nothing from him. You know, I hate to beat a dead horse, but the Royal Rumble's been mentioned a few times. Could he be a surprise entrant at Royal Rumble? They always like to throw a few of those in the mix. Or maybe he's a uh, surprise, you know, show up at Survivor Series. The only thing I'm going to say is it's going to be a large pay-per-view. It's not going to be a No Mercy or a Clash or anything like that. It's going to be at one of the grand pay-per-views that he makes his uh, return. I, I'm wait. You know, you hear about, and I, I wonder how much of it is just a tease. He's not even. Gonna, I, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Is he definitely coming back? You always hear about guys coming back, and then sometimes it's just it falls through. You know, interesting stuff going on though. I'm starting to see a lot more and hear a lot more again, folks. And I didn't have the chance this week. I'm very sorry. Uh, more Jimmy Hart and Hulk Hogan. Rumors. That's what I, I mean. I really have to get over to see Jimmy. I didn't get there uh, this week, and I'm very sorry, gang. I had told you I'd try and get over there, and I did. I really did. I've been a little tied up with things uh, more than anybody would really know. <laughs> and uh, but the thing is, this. Let me ask you something, Busy Jay. Are you uh, uh, you're up there now. You see, I, I'm down here. I'm I'm in Florida, and. You know, I guess maybe because, uh, you know, Jimmy's place isn't far from me. You know, it's 25 minutes away from me. Hogan lives, uh, you know, about two and a half hours away from me. And maybe it's just because of my location. But are you hearing anything up there in New York about Hogan and Hart coming back possibly? Yeah, that's the rumbles up here that, you know, they're talking about Hogan, which we all have to agree. Hogan is WWE. And WWE is Hulk Hogan. They go hand in hand. They, help, they both pretty much bought 
each other up. I expect him to be back within the company probably by WrestleMania time, but that seems to be the heavy rumbles that, you know, Hogan's going to be reinstated. I mean, after all, he did win his lawsuit with Walker, you know, rest in peace to Walker media. They're bankrupt and they're out of here. So he saves his face. McMahon's all, all about giving someone a second, a third, fourth chance. That's the guy. I see it happening. Interesting. Interesting. Joey uh, Cage, moving along and, you know, people getting a chance and all that. After the whole big thing between uh, Del Rio and Paige and, you know, her uh, saying that she's going to leave and getting the uh, Alberto tattoo, and now she's coming back and she was there uh, behind uh, the uh, scenes last week. They didn't bring her in. Do you really, I mean, do you see her staying or do you just see her as a troublemaker? What do you, what do you think is going to happen with her? Well, I do think that she certainly is a troublemaker. Uh, she is a very interesting individual who, um, you know, hasn't, I, I don't know how vested into her WWE career she really is, but there's, you know, a thing for precedent in the company. Um, there's, you know, she apparently is obviously very loyal to Alberto, um, got him tattooed on her. And um, while he's now, I believe, back in Mexico wrestling, uh, I know it's an indie promotion somewhere, uh, but while he's there, you know, she apparently is going to give it a try with WWE and with her latest uh, policy violation and everything that's gone on, I don't foresee this being a long-term partnership. Another thing to consider, like I mentioned with precedent, is that is what happened uh, after CM Punk left in regards to AJ Lee. Um, you know, there were so many things that went on, and as it was described in many interviews, AJ Lee had said that she felt extremely uncomfortable uh, that she had gotten remarks from, you know, management and, you know, people backstage, and then it became a, just a toxic working environment, and she knew that it wouldn't last long, so she retired. Um, I think you, you're going to end up seeing something like that with Paige. I don't see Paige as someone that's going to get the proper push again from WWE, and, I mean, ultimately she might be back for a little bit, but I don't think that, that, I don't think it'll last long. Uh, it's just it's the uh, craziness, and you know you go ahead, and I was on Twitter earlier, and I saw Del Rio on there, El Cabron or whatever his new name is, um, and it was funny. His his tweet today, one of the uh, insights into wrestling and promotion into his thing, and. I guess the way he wanted to talk about himself today was how he was upset with a Best Buy in Tucson. I think it was Tucson, Arizona, because they gave him a bad laptop and wouldn't fix it. <laughs> this is, the, I mean, it, it just seems to me like it's silly stuff. You already, you know, you already is seen as a train wreck of an old man going after the young girl, okay? Let's let's just look like a bigger train wreck. I can't get Best Buy to listen to me. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's funny. It is absolutely, absolutely funny. What we're going to do, folks, is uh, we're going to take a little break. We're going to pay a couple bills, and then we're going to come back, do a little wrap-up of uh, the WWE Get in uh, the legend Larry Zabisco to join us. And uh, maybe a little FXE news thrown in. Hi, folks. 
It's Barbara here for Deep Obsession Charters. Whether you live in the beautiful West Palm Beach area or you're planning on visiting the Sunshine State and you love to dive, you have to contact South Florida's premier dive operators, Deep Obsession Dive Charters, out of the West Palm Beach area. They are a full-service dive operation. They've got everything from equipment sales and rentals, and they're also a PADI-certified dive center, and they offer certifications from beginning all the way to pro. Deep Obsession offers wreck dives, reef dives, night dives, and dives to the beautiful Blue Heron Bridge, which was voted one of the world's best macro dive sites. But their best adventure, I believe, is their baited shark dives. Here you will be educated on the importance of conservation of these beautiful endangered creatures while being up close and personal with them. It's truly an unforgettable experience, I tell you. For the best customer service in the industry, with fun and safety as a priority, you can book your next dive adventure at deepobsessioncharters.com or you can call them at 561-707-2045. You can also find uh, Deep Obsession Charters on Facebook and Twitter or you can check out their videos on YouTube. Remember, for the best dive experience in South Florida, it's Deep Obsession Dive Charters. Dive, dive, dive. That's right, folks. Deep Obsession Charters, great people, great fun. If you're in the South Florida area, West Palm area, you want a great time, just go ahead. Give Ryan, Amber, and the gang a call over there. They'll be more than glad to help you. Make sure you tell them the jester sent you. You know, as we go ahead and we get ready for uh, our guest caller, you know, we want to wrap up everything with Raw and, and with SmackDown. You know, we were talking about all that. Also, one of the big things that we were talking about, and it seems that everybody's interested in, is everything with FXE and what's going on with our own personal promotion. And, you know, we're, we're happy to announce that this Saturday, not this Saturday, I'm sorry, a week from this Saturday, again, another signing show. We've got to, we're going to be doing this one because of the names involved. We're going to go ahead and be doing it on the Fantasy Justice Show. Going to make sure everybody joins us live on Facebook as we go ahead and have a part of the signing live. FXE, folks, you don't want to miss that. Jester, Jester, I can't, I can't hold it anymore. I've waited 30 minutes. I'm going to ask, what the hell? Because we got Larry on the line, and I've got a, I've got a legend on the line, and I want to get to him. Go ahead. What is going on with the rumors about you and TNA, FXE and TNA? I'm hearing stuff. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll get into it on Saturday's show. I promise you. Fantasy Justice Show this Saturday, 8 p.m. I promise I will talk to you. Yes. I'll leave it at this. Yes. I am looking at TNA. I have, uh, I have looked into things. We are definitely uh, interested in TNA. That's all I can say right now. Tune in Saturday. I want to get to a legend right now. And I am ready to take this show and all of our listeners to Larry Land, the most legendary place on earth. It is my honor. It is my pleasure to welcome in the legend himself, Larry Zabisco. How are you tonight, sir? Well, I'm doing good. Can you hear me, buddy? (laughs) (laughs) Can you hear me me now? Yeah, we hear you loud and clear. 
Okay, good, because I was talking for five minutes, and I didn't know if I could dial the right number because it said you couldn't listen, but I didn't know if I could get in. So I almost hung up on you. <laughs> no, no, no. That's why, I, you know, that's why I had to stop with JT. I was like, listen, I've got a legend on the phone. I don't want him going anywhere. I, I, I want, I've been waiting, you know, since we got got the uh, everything set for you coming on the show, I, I have, like, been a kid at Christmas time, no, and today okay. is Christmas. <laughs> Well, I'm glad it worked out good because I'm, I'm, I, I still don't know what a hell a hashtag is, so I don't know if I got it or not. But okay. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. What's up? <laughs> I'm with you on that one. I've had to learn. I, You know what? I had no idea myself, and I'm still learning, so don't feel bad. Uh, hey, I, you, you, know, you, know, you, you know what I did? This pissed me off so bad. <laughs> I refuse to grow up. I refuse. So for the last 10 years or whatever, I've been using these great Razor phones, the Motorola Razor flip phones, because okay. I don't do computer stuff, and I'm not carrying a TV set. So I love the Razor phones. <laughs> but those things, I find out, are 2G, whatever a G is. So now you've got to have a 3G phone or better. And I went to the AT&T store, and they got, like, these plastic cheap flip phones. They were, like, cheap uh, uh, so I lucked out and found a Razer phone online that's a 3G. So oh, okay. I'm, I'm happy oh, now. Yeah. You're moving up. I remember, yes, Larry, you know, I, I'm with you. Uh, you know, I remember when 2G meant you had two grand in your pocket. Yeah, what the hell are language are talking nowadays? <laughs> also on the line with us, Larry, I have my partner in all our podcasts, uh, Jason Townsend. He's been looking forward to speaking to you. We have Joey Cage, former MMA uh, fighter and now turned wrestler here in Florida. We've got Busy J, one of the writers for our website. We're going to go first. The first question is going to go to my partner, JT, who's been looking forward to speak to you. JT, go ahead. You've got Larry. Larry, how's it going? Really looking forward to this. Ah, everything's going good. I mean, it uh, is going good. I, I'm having a good old time. You know, I'm sitting back. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I lived when I did. And I'm watching the world show. And I've never seen such a comical, absurd bunch of nonsense and you see the world systems, you know, they're all parasitic systems, banking systems, religious systems, poly, you know, politics. And they're all crumbling under the weight of their own absurd complexity. It's insane. The world's losing its mind. So I'm having a great time watching the show. It's like watching a real-life Three Stooges. Oh, <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of that that goes on in the world these days. So I, ah. have, to ask, I have to ask you this. Uh, since uh, Chester told me you were coming on, yeah, I went back and was looking at some of your some of your work, some of your matches over the years, and two dates popped out to me. January twenty second, two thousand three, where you lost to current WWE SmackDown World Heavyweight Champion AJ Styles, and then seven days later in the rematch you beat him. I'm gonna ask you, what's it like to be in the ring against AJ Styles? Oh God, you're talking. Let me go back to the time capsule. That was. Um... Yeah, that was interesting. You know, yeah, I think I think back in those days it had something to do with they wanted me to get involved as AJ's manager when he when he was starting out, you know, some little place in Georgia, and that was after WCW. Oh, wow. So, but but anyway, I wound up having a match with the kid, 
and it was a hell of a match. I mean, it was it was a hell it was a it was a hell of a match. It got uh, it was good, you know. And AJ was young and green, but uh, I was so great it, it didn't matter. But uh, no, the match was really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you you mentioned pulling out the time capsule. Before we go to Joey Cage, let me ask you my first question. Because I came in in your career, here's where I'm going to date myself now for sure, folks. I came into Larry's career. You were a tag team. Your tag team partner was Tony Gurria. Oh, God. Yeah, Tony Gurria. <laughs> and you were wrestling at Bergenfield High School in New Jersey back in about, geez, it had to be about 79, 80 for WWF. And uh, that was uh, during Billy Graham, Ken Patera, Putski, all them. Yeah. What? Now, let me ask you something, because it always seemed like you were the, you know, fun, happy-go-lucky, you know, there having a good time wrestling kind of guy. And Tony Gurria seemed a little bit more serious. What was it? What was it like uh, being his tag team partner? Well, it was, it was fun. I mean, you know, I am an easygoing guy. And I was one of the guys that kind of got along with everybody. And if someone was an asshole, I would just say, hey, how you doing? But then that's the last they'd see of me. You know, I'd just stay away from them. But, but most of the guys right. are pretty cool. And so, Tony was a cool guy. He might have given it more of a serious look, but, but but he was a good guy and a sharp guy. You know, I mean, I mean me and him traveled together, but it was good because I, I was never a drinker. I never went to the bars and got drunk and all that stuff. And neither, right, right. You know, neither was Tony. And, uh, so, you know, it worked out good. And, um, it was, um, and, you know, it kind of helped me out. Cause that's when I very, that's when I just got there, you know, into New York city, that whole Northeast area and to, to, right. to get around and someone to ride with and, you know, learn the territory and, the, you know, it worked out good. Nice. Nice. Next up, uh, Larry, we have Joey Cage. Like I said, I mentioned former MMA guy, now turned uh, Florida wrestler. He's on the line, been dying, dying <laughs> to talk to you. Joey, go ahead. Larry, what's up, man? How are you? Good, Joe. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. No, I'm very, very, very excited. Uh, you know, I've been a fan of pro wrestling pretty much my whole life. Um, you know, I really, I was born in 88. I pretty much got into it probably right before the Attitude Era, um, you know, in WWE, probably around like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, that stuff. Uh, but one of the things that I did immediately when I became a fan was to watch a lot of the history, uh, of, of the, of the sport itself. You know, the, you know, the matches of, you know, Harley Race and Buddy Rogers and a lot of guys. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, there were so many great talents and so many great matches that there were that my generation and the generation today, you know, aren't too aware of. Um, one match in particular uh, that stands out to me, or at least one feud rather, uh, was your work with Bruno San Martino. I, you know, that the stuff that, you know, the match that you guys had and everything with him, you know, being your mentor and all that stuff, that was amazing. And really, I think that, you know, a lot of the work that you guys did, back in the day was so much different than today's product. I wanted to ask you, uh, what do you like or dislike about today's product? Well, 
back then, I mean, it, it, it was boy, it was a different era. I, I wish I could take the fans back to 1980, and they could sit in the garden and feel the electricity without any fireworks, without any flashing lights. Just a guy mm-hmm. walking out of the dressing room, you know, would blow the roof off the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it was really, I mean, you know, people believed and, and they were emotionally involved. I mean, they loved Bruno and and they wanted to kill me. I mean, right. I got shot at, stabbed, <laughs> the car set on fire. I mean, it was no, riots every you. night. Yeah. And the, oh and the difference today, I mean, I hate to be critical, and I should probably keep my mouth shut, but everything is the same. Every match, you're going to have two clotheslines. A guy, for some reason, stands in one corner, and the other guy in the other corner. And for some reason, he's going to run across the ring like a moron and into your foot. And then you'll fall on the floor standing there with your arms out, and he's going to run all the way across the ring, run all the way back, and for some reason you're not going to move. You're going to catch him as he dives on your head. And it's just every match. It makes no sense to me, and everybody does the same thing. So I think that's why you see the fans. I mean, if you listen to the fans, I think they're starting to revolt. You know, it's um, they can't pretend anymore. I mean, I was yeah. watching the show. I was watching Raw the other night, and they had some local guy. You know, he looked like a nobody. And I heard the crowd start chanting, you know, let's go, Chopper, let's go, Chopper. And I didn't know who this kid was. And I I came in, and it was like almost the biggest reaction of the night. And I look at it, and I said, who the hell is this guy's name, Chopper? What the hell are the people chanting? And the whole crowd is chanting, let's go, jobber, let's go, jobber. And, yeah. I, and I just, right. I just felt to the myself. The gets the biggest boom. Yeah, yeah. I just said to myself, you, you poor bastards. I mean, the guys are getting killed, and no one really cares. But they don't know how to do it right. And you know, everything's just, uh, I'm going to run across into your foot like a moron. You know, I don't know. Yeah, you. you got Larry, me. can I ask you? <laughs> Larry, let me ask you this. You know, Joey had mentioned uh, and touched on, uh, you know, Bruno San Martino, which, you know, I'm trying to think of if I had the opportunity to wrestle my idol or be inducted into the Hall of Fame by my idol, which one was better for you, wrestling your idol or being inducted? Oh, you know what? They, They were both a magic moment. Yeah. And I'll tell you a funny story because the uh, silly Hall of Fame thing, I, I went out with one thing on my mind, and I didn't write nothing down. And then after a couple minutes, for the first time ever, I looked into the crowd, and they were, the whole front rows were people I knew my whole life, you know, Dusty and Gene, and then it's an R, and And I said, oh, so and so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And then I looked up. And I didn't remember a thing I said. I went into some, I couldn't remember what I said. And I went, what the hell did I just say? And the next thing I remember is I was walking off the stage and Vince came running up and said, Larry, you were in the moment. That was great. And I had no <laughs> idea what the hell I said. 
I came from a different dimension. But then when I when I I, I listened to it back, I went, my God, I did say that. I did say that. And it, and if you get into and the reality of if you get into the reality of life, which is a dream, and I tried to give the secret of life away during that talk, kind of went over everybody's heads. But but <laughs> but, but but the dream I had and wanted it was just interesting with Bruno because. You know, when I crawled through his hedges that one day and he helped me into the business and we wound up pulling off the biggest angle of the day. I mean, you know, if we did that today and the emotions were like it was today with all the, you know, networks and pay-per-view, I mean, it would it would be enormously huge. But Bruno was the guy at the beginning of my career, you know, my dream that I wanted to be like my hero. And then when I walked down to the Hall of Fame... Who was inducting me, Bruno? And it was it was like an official ending to the dream where I walked into this rabbit hole in his hedges and he helped me open the door into the wrestling world. We pulled off the biggest thing ever. But then when I was done with my dream, and there was Bruno again, like I'm like at the end, this time holding the door open and I walked out. And that I, and I told that story, but but it's true. It was just weird. That is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You gave me chills on that one. Uh, well, that, yeah, I know. I mean, one, I mean the, 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 the things I said, you know, came from a different dimension and things I'm into, but I didn't remember a word I said. And even when I talked about the power of imagination, because <laughs> the human animal is the only one with the unlimited power. We're all God. There, there's no such <laughs> thing as a sinner. It's all deception. <laughs> we. We all are, uh, we're all our own prophets. Well, we're all a little piece of the whole. We're all, you know. Correct. There's no such thing. Yeah, anyway, don't get me started. We'll have World War Three done by the time we get off <laughs> no, the phone. Let's get, yeah, let's get busy, Jay. Yeah, let's get busy, Jay, on in here. I know he's chomping at the bit to be able to ask you a question. Busy, Jay, what do you have from good old Larry Zabisco joining us tonight? Larry, it's a pleasure speaking to you. You're always one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. And I well, remember thank, some of your classic I remember some of your classic matches in AWA, NWA, WCW. You definitely you're definitely truly a living legend. And thanks for yeah, blessing well, us with your time. Yeah, you know, back in those days, I mean it it was it's fun to think back of because uh I was such a and uh, such an asshole. And it's one of the secrets I, that I learned, you know, that was, that was taught to me by guys like Bruno and Strongbow, and and not even in so much words, but just by watching. But when I watched the guys that got over and drew money, I realized one thing, that no matter what the character was, whether you were Bruno the strong guy or Chief J. Strongbow, who looked more like Cochise than Cochise did, even though he was Italian, <laughs> you know, people believe in your character. You know, forget the business. Right. If they believe in you, you got it made. And what I did was I was such an asshole that people believed it. They didn't care about the wrestling business. They just believed that in real life, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> and so that's why it was, you know, so easy to get heat. And I, I, I love that, you know, but, it, but uh, they believed it. And the funny bit is talking, you mentioned AJ Styles. When I was doing some TNA, when they first came to Orlando here, some years ago, or 10 years ago now, whatever it is, 
They were showing on ESPN Classics the AWA stuff. They were showing it like twice a day in the afternoon or something for like maybe a year or two. And all the guys who were growing up, AJ Styles and Chris Daniels and the Abyss and a couple others, James Storm and them, you know, that they were the young TNA guys starting. They were too young to see me in my prime in the AWA days and some other places. And they would run up to me after watching the ESPN classic reruns and AJ in them. And they would look horrified. And they go, how could you do that? And I said, do what? And AJ in them, they, you, you, you were such an asshole. How could you do that on TV? And it, was, it was like, that's the job, dummy. <laughs> it's fun. There's no more good assholes. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. Let me ask you, you know, before we get back to the panel, I, I want to ask you, you know, talking about the guys from the back, like you were talking about, Chief J. Strongbow, maybe a, uh, you know, Ivan Putsky, Peter Maivia, uh oh, these kind of guys back then. <laughs> there almost wasn't a rock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these kind of guys here, um, back then, who was it that you enjoyed working in the ring with they were just a good worker they they handled their craft properly they were professional in the ring oh god you know i mean if i've been asked that question a bunch but but back in those days everybody was a you know a a, a professional and <laughs> and because i was trained the way i was and i i hate to blow smoke up my butt but, but I had an education that really no one else got because I was Bruno's protege and that carried, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize at the time because I was, you know, a kid, but that carried a lot of politics and and mm-hmm. guys like Strongbow and Monsoon and a bunch of them, you know, all the, they would take me under their wing and teach me stuff and tell me stuff and be nice to me where they wouldn't do that to other young guys because they protected their jobs. But they would all come right. to me because it was getting points with Bruno. It was like Brian, because I was Bruno's guy. <laughs> if everybody was nice to me, but that's how powerful Bruno was, not just in terms of drawing money, but in terms of politics in the office. What Bruno said, Vince McMahon Sr. would do. Mm-hmm. End of story. But, uh, you know, so I had an education, you know, that really not a lot of guys had. I was just so good at what I, what I did that even if the guy stunk, I could have the crowd going nuts. <laughs> so I had basically a good, easy time with, it, with everybody. It just depends how they were. If I worked with Bob Backlund, we could have a good wrestling match. You know, if I worked with one of the Valiant brothers, you, know, you can forget that, you know, it was a different kind of match. But right, uh, you right. know, kind of it, it, it depended on the guy. You know, you'd have a different match. You know, if you wrestled Putsky, he had the strong man, you know, kind of match. So, but you know, so I I I really kind of enjoyed you know working with everybody. I, I worked with you know guys like you know from Bach Winkles and Harleys and and then even the, the the last generation that you know had a clue it was the generation of like you know Shawn Michaels and Triple H and Kurt Henning and. Scott Hall and them because that generation had a chance to work with guys like me and Arn and Flair and 
the Dusty and, you know, the guys that knew. But And then after that generation, it kind of started going away. Well, the, uh, before I pass you off to JT, uh, let me just wrap that up with the difference between Vince Sr. and Vince mm. Jr. What do you see? What's the, what's the difference between working for the two? Well, I, I'm trying. Well, you know what? It's kind of interesting. At the bottom heart of both of them, they're both basically the same kind of guy. They're 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 a promoter's promoter. I mean, Vince, you know, Junior, you know, has got to be the greatest promoter ever. I mean, what he wound up with, you know, in the early '80s, the WWF, you know, to what it is today. It is outrageous. I mean, you know, his dad would be proud of him. And and Vince Sr. was a very smooth character, like in the old movies. He'd always have like four or five quarters in his hand. He'd be jingling with the cashmere coat. And he was a real smooth operator. And uh, But he was kind of quiet tone. And he would keep his emotions low. The old man, like if some guy ran up to Vince Sr. and said, Hey, there was a good house, and Arnold only gave me a hundred dollars, and I should have made two hundred dollars. You know, then Vince Senior would say to the guy, "Oh, that damn Arnold!" And Vince would reach in his pocket and give the guy fifty bucks or a hundred bucks, and the guy would go, "Oh, mm-hmm. thanks, Vince. Well, you're a great guy." You know, Vince would go, oh, "Okay, yeah, take it easy. Good job, buddy." And then Vince would go into the office and say, "Hey, Arnold, fire that guy." You know, and then, so, <laughs> but then, you know, because he didn't want any hassles, but that's how Vince would, Senior would handle it, real smooth and, and and stuff. You know, where Vince, you know, his kid, he's a little more emotional, you know. And, uh, and, uh, Vince is a character. I mean, he's one of the boys. He's, he's outrageous. And you can't help but love him if you're in the business. I mean, I I I just heard the other day the poor guy blew out his quad or something, squatting, yes. but he's squatting <laughs> five hundred pounds. He's seventy years old. <laughs> That's, That's the, but you know I mean he's a, he's that outrageous kind of guy, and in uh, you know in terms of the wrestling business and what needed to be done to get it this huge in this world. Yeah, he, did, he was outrageous. There should be a statue of him next to Bruno and Andre someday. No, I heard that the other day. He's squatting with 500 pounds. What is he thinking? But that's how he is. I mean, he's, he's, a, you know, he's tenacious. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? JT again. Um, I'm going to take you back 25 years. WCW Wrestle War 1991. You were in a four-on-four match with you teamed with Barry Windham, one of my favorites, yourself, Ric Flair, and Sid Vicious versus oh, Brian Pillman versus Brian Pillman, the Steiner brothers, and Sting. You know, there's a few Hall of Famers in there. What can you tell us about some of those guys and working with them? Well, <laughs> I'm trying to put. That's kind of the time in my life when I was starting to get ready to get out of the ring because the crew that was coming along, plus the politics of the day, you know, they were trying to get rid of the guys who were getting 40 years old and push new guys, which ain't a bad idea. You got to, you know. You know, that that's what they'll be doing now, you know, with the WWE and NXTs. They're 
making new stars. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I remember that match because I, I remember Sid Vicious was so t- Was that in a cage or something? Uh, it was War Games. War Games match. Four on four. Was, was, I, think, uh, I think it was in a cage. It was. So cage match. Yeah, I remember something about Sid Vicious tried to pick Pillman up to do something, but the cage was low, and he when he picked him up, he ran Pillman's head into the top of the cage because <laughs> he was so because was so damn tall. But yeah, I mean it, it it was a classic, you know, group of guys, and they're all insane. But but at that time, I, mean, I was just keeping it low because with the way the politics were going, I was getting ready to get out, and then I wound up with a broadcast job that I never even planned on. That's another story. Right. And when you were in that match, though, you look at someone like Sting. You know, did you obviously already a polished guy at that point? But did you did you know then by watching someone like Sting that he was just in for such a such a huge career? No, I thought he was the luckiest man in the world. <laughs> Not just him. Wow. But the, well, I mean, nothing against Steve. He's a good guy, but. Unlike guys like me and Arn and Flair and some other guys, Sting came along at, at a time and a generation where the promotion and the guys went, went way overboard with this surrealistic look. And that's a nice way of saying is everybody was so steroided up and into bodybuilding that no one cared about being a worker. Sting didn't have a clue what he was doing in the ring. Lex Luger was the worst narcissist of all. He's more worried about his biceps than the business. All he did, you know, three clotheslines in a torture rack, and, you know, everything looked so bad because he didn't want to hurt his workout the next day. I mean, these guys were guys that <laughs> they were a, a group that came in that, that didn't love the business. They were, you know, steroided up bodybuilders and not wrestlers. And for some reason, some company was giving him a lot of money for not knowing anything. The only reason guys like you know, Sting and the Steiners and Lex Luger and Sid Vicious and that generation made it was because they were working with me and Arn and Flair and some other guys that knew what the hell they were doing. I used to get in a match with you know and with Luger and say something, nothing, say something, nothing, say something, you know, tag out. And he'd get back in, I'd sting, sting would grab it, and I'd, I'd look at Alexa and say, you couldn't do that, you dumb shit. <laughs> I mean, they, didn't, they couldn't put their, they, they couldn't tie their boots. But they're making a lot of money and didn't know why, you know. And I'm thinking, going, these guys don't know how lucky they are. You know? That is great. I mean, Sting, I mean, you know, talk about a horrible interview. We had to we had to we had to dress him like the, the, the you know the Batman or whatever the other crow, drop him from the ceiling for a year, and not let him say a word to get one match out of him. Oh, sounds like he could have benefited from a Paul Heyman or something. Yeah, that's where you need somebody on the mic, you know. Joey Cage, what do you have uh, for Larry? What's your next one? My well, next Larry, what? Uh, I had wanted to – oh, no, I'm sorry. I had, Larry, I had wanted to ask you uh, because, you know, in my early years, you know, I watched a lot of older matches, a lot of older, uh, you know, fights and stuff like that, and, you know, some of the stuff that predated me. But uh, I was also watching what at the time was the current product with WCW, 
Um, I can honestly say that between you and Tony Giovanni, I thought you were the much better announcer and the real yes. kind of voice of WCW. Um, you know, your style was so much, you know, the way you talked and, you know, you were just so much better, I think, for, you know, that specific position. The one thing I had wanted to ask you was with regards to WCW and the product that it put out and how, you know, it eventually, you know, fell apart, what, you know, from your from your perspective, what is the primary thing WCW could have or should have done better as, a, as an organization? Well, let me try and put this to me. Yeah, it was really too bad because there was you know, a lot of people involved and they were doing great jobs. And uh, WCW, I mean, it, it was kind of a weird situation for a while because they had guys running the company that didn't do nothing about the wrestling business. You know, uh, you, you know, Jim heard the pizza guy was running it for a while when I started and they had some guy that, that was a lawyer and they had no idea. And, that, and that's why these newer guys coming along were starting to get these big contracts. So they, the only thing they knew is, well, we don't want the WWE to get them. And then WWE didn't want some of their guys leaving. So then all of a sudden these contracts started, you know, coming out of, you know, there was no contracts before. So now all these guys are, are getting contracts so they can't leave. The stars can't leave. So they're, they're making money and they're not drawing nothing. And it was just kind of plugging along. And wrestling goes through cycles. And it was coming to the point right. where wrestling was at a down cycle with, with both groups. WCW and the WWE were both kind of stale. And and then, like everything else, you know, once something gets stale, you shoot a new angle, and everybody gets excited. And then everything just kind of worked out right, and I hate to blow smoke up my butt again, but for some reason, a guy I befriended in the AWA who didn't know anything, Eric Bischoff, wound up with a ridiculously made-up resume, and somehow wound up with the job of executive producer. Right. Okay. Right. Here's a guy who was doing interviews and selling rubber ninja junk. So now he's now the executive producer <laughs> of WCW. You figure that wow. one out. Anyway, the good news is he started in the wow. AWA and he listened to me. And Greg Gagne from the AWA who started Eric out was also there. So So Eric would listen to us. So for the first time, you basically had top wrestling brains running WCW. Not a lawyer, not a pizza man, not Bill Watts, the idiot. You know, I mean, you had really smart, sharp wrestling people. And when we were in there, we took an old AWA idea, and right before Vern went out of business, they came up with an idea about an invasion idea where the AWA would invade the brand new WCW in the early 90s started you know before Burn Burn wanted to come up with an idea he could stay in business without you know before he had to close the doors because he kept losing money and you know it was the territories were just dying out so right anyway that that idea never worked out because they thought that I would come down and stretch Sting on purpose so I could beat him and then claim the AWA is the real champion, you know, and that, but it, anyway, it's stupid, but it, it didn't happen. But 
all of a sudden, Ted Turner says, hey, I want to do a Monday night show in competition with this, so here's a whole bunch of money. So right. what we did was <laughs> we kicked up that old AWAID and said, hey, why don't we do the invasion thing, only we'll scoop up top stars who are getting ready to, and we had, you know, like Diamond Dallas, there's some other guys going behind the scenes, you know, talking under the table to guys like Scott and Nash and Six Pack and, you know, a few guys whose deals were coming up. And so we we basically stole them. And then I'm the one that came up with the, the, the way to program it, how to, how to have Scott come in and this happened and that happened and then Bischoff switched and then, I wrestled Bishop to save the New World Order from Nitro. I mean, you know, save Nitro from the New World Order. Yeah, I'm the one that programmed all that stuff. Oh, so, nice. so it was. It, it was so. So then, I mean, everything got you know huge. You know, I mean, the business got huge. If you watch the WWE Monday Raw, every Raw, you still see somebody with an NWO shirt. Yes, you're right. Every Absolutely. week, there's somebody wearing an NWO shirt. You know, I mean, it was it, it, it was huge, and um, I'll take you know, a lot of credit for that. So, but if everything just kind of nice. works out with the right people, were there at the right time, and then unfortunately, Mr. Bischoff fell off his high horse and got worked to death by the Hulk and you know, and Hatch and them, you know, into being able to do what they want and then getting paid if they say their fingers sore and they, you know, so anyway, kind of yeah. went to pieces and then Eric's. Basically, just listen to the wrong people, right? And and tried to live the life of a big shot, and found out, uh, you know, bad move. And then it was too bad because the, you know then they, then they did this stupid writer thing where they bring in Russo, the writer. I said, writer, what the hell? This guy sold CDs on Long Island. What the hell are you? And then the accountant was bragging to me. He goes, hey, and we stole them from the WWE. He wasn't even under contract. And I said, of yeah. course he's not under contract because he's not important, you idiot. God. And they made, so they went to this route, and then I, I finally, you know, and then before I knew it, you know, the people are chanting Goldberg because we had Goldberg coming up, which would have been, the, you know, the next big guy. But but they screwed it up, and the people are chanting Goldberg, and the heavyweight champion of the world is the writer. I wanted yeah. to shoot him. <laughs> I wanted to go into place and shoot him. I mean, you know, so that's when I turned off the TV, and I didn't watch wrestling for about ten years. There's a, you know, and then, and then it got parts of it got kind of raunchy. I wouldn't let my kids watch it, so wrestling wasn't allowed in my house, you know, for some years. I just started watching oh. it again about four years ago when, you know, WWE and me hooked up again. Gotcha. So I've been, gotcha. I've wow. been watching. I've, I've been watching you know every week now because I, I want to know what's going on so I can help them. We're gonna get to uh, you know Busy Jay's got another question for you and before uh, before he uh, asks his question, let me uh, ask you: Have you heard anything about the rumors of uh, Jimmy Hart and Hulk getting back? I, I go over by uh, Jimmy. Jimmy and I watch SmackDown every once in a while. And uh, I haven't had the opportunity since I heard the rumor. And I, I don't know uh, if you've heard anything about Jimmy and Hulk getting back in for little spots here and there. Have you, uh, Larry? You know what? I haven't heard anything. You know, I mean, 
I haven't heard anything, but I'm not a big okay. scoop guy either. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. No worries. Yeah. Busy J, what do you have for Larry? And if that's Busy J still there. Busy J, wake up. Show's putting you to sleep. <laughs> What's going on? There he is. Larry, you talked about earlier about the whole wrestling industry. And we know we're all lifelong wrestling fans. So my question to you is, what do you think is missing with today's product, especially with character development? Well, I, I just think it's missing. You talk about character development. I just think it's missing different characters. They all kind of, you know, look different, but everybody, every match is the same. I mean, I, you know, I watch Cesaro, I mean, everybody, I mean, they punch you, they'll give you 10 European uppercuts in a row, and then throw you into the ropes, and you run off like nothing happened. You know, and, and so it's like no, no, nobody sticks out different. You know, when they say, hey, he's a superstar. If you're labeled a superstar, you're in trouble. Yeah, you know, because because that means it doesn't matter, you know. To the you know, it could be this guy on the tonight's card, it could be that guy on tonight's. Doesn't matter. The only guy that people really you know go ooh, and you can feel emotion. The only guy they got is Brock. You know, Brock Lesnar even changes the tone of the announcers when he walks out. So so what they need is just you know. Guys that are different characters, which means you have to wrestle different. You have to, you know, be different in the ring too. So, I, just, I think right now, just everybody is so much the same. Everyone's diving over the ropes, clotheslining into yeah. oblivion, you know, running from no, corner no. to corner. It's not. It's, it's got nothing to do with a wrestling match. You know, they start wrestling into the character. Yeah, no, you you and you know it's funny because I listen to you and it's like, you know, deja vu. One of the things that uh, Jimmy Hart was talking about uh, two weeks ago with me is that the wrestlers uh, are all getting a B five eight five nine five ten. There are no, and it's one of Vince's <laughs> favorite things is to have a guy that's an attraction, somebody that's going to be able to walk through an airport. You know, these guys here, Jimmy yeah, was saying that these guys here can walk through an airport with a baseball cap on, nobody will know. But if no Hogan one walks through are. the airport, yeah, or Gorilla Monster, there's no Gorilla Monster, there's no big yeah. character anymore. You know, know. so you're right I mean, there. I was telling them that for years. I mean, if it was CM Punk or Dean Ambrose, if you were in the airport and someone said, hey, there's the heavyweight champion of the world, You'd push those two guys out of the way. Say, hey, excuse me, you're in the way. I'm looking for the heavyweight <laughs> champion of the world. Because you're, you're looking to see someone that looks like Brock Lesnar. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and that was one of the things that made wrestling cool, too, because people would see these guys come out and say, I don't give a shit what they say. I'm not getting in the ring with this guy. And for, you know, years, yeah, all the wrestlers, you know, look the same. You know, 210 pounds, they flop around, they all shave their bods. And they'll clothesline you to death, and they'll keep giving you these stupid slaps in the chest so the crowd can go woo all the time, and then, you know, mm-hmm. run to your foot. It's just it's the same stuff. I mean, if, 
the first thing I would do if I got in the business today would never throw a clothesline, never run into a foot, never throw a chop so somebody can go woo and think of Ric Flair during my match. You know, I mean, these guys, these these guys are burying themselves and they don't even know it. How do you feel about a guy like um, Enzo Amore? Do you like him, or do you think he's a buffoon? you think he's good for wrestling? What do you think of Enzo? No, I, 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 I think Enzo does great. He's got a lot of energy. I told him that down at NXT. I said, you keep that high energy going. You know, I mean, and, and with Bill standing there and Enzo running around, he he he, he, he has a high energy. The, and the only thing I, 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 I would switch a bit, is when they get something good like Enzo and that they got their good little deal and people like Enzo and he runs a muck. And then the new day's got their thing. And then this guy's got their thing. The only thing is it, it goes on too long. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you get a good thing going and have the Enzo thing, you know, and after a minute, it's great. And people are popping, but you know, five minutes later, they're still talking and making, you know, scripted jokes. You want to slit your wrists. Right, right. Yeah, they get something going, they, you know, they, and they didn't, and then they way overdo it to the point of, oh my God, ten minutes of this. Gotcha, gotcha. JT, Larry, I want to stay in the time capsule again. Looking at June uh, of nineteen eighty, June of nineteen eighty, card that I would have killed to see live. Two matches in particular. Hulk Hogan defeats Gorilla Monsoon, and Larry Zabisco defeats Bob Backlund for the World Heavyweight All right. title. Can, can you tell me a little about that? Can you can you tell me what? Yeah, it was you like know, I, I, I might have a story about that. Okay, it was June 1980. Did you say? Yep, Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden. Okay, June. August was Shea Stadium, I think. God, I'm, okay, yeah, that was a that was an interesting time because there was kind of a head button going on because uh, I rest, you know I think the me and Bruno feud may have just started or been starting, but then there was a match I had with Backlund, and uh, yeah. It, 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 it was a match where I wanted to wind up with the belt because I thought that would solidify big things, you know, for Shea Stadium. Because uh, at the time when I wanted to pull off Shea Stadium, you know, Vince McMahon Sr. was kind of leery about it. When I wanted to do this thing with Bruno, he was kind of leery about it because, number one, it was his checkbook. He had to run all the, you know, gardens, <laughs> and stadiums, and all that. But number two, for those days, I was not a, a typical heel. You know, I mean, I wasn't a 300-pound George Steele or Monsoon or Killer Kowalski or Billy Graham. You know, I was, you know, 235-pound good guy, you know, for the last six years, seven years. So I didn't fit the mold of being like, you know, I'm a monster bad guy which was the mindset of those days. So it, it was kind of like, you know, yeah, pulling teeth to get the thing done, but then when it was going, it worked out good. But the match went back into the garden. I really want to wound up with the belt because I, I really thought that would, you know, put the cherry on top to make sure Shea would sell out. 
down the road, but then uh, it never happened. Then I was banished for 30 years. But I tried to do what was best best for business because Bob, you know, nice guy, but the people just didn't buy him. He he couldn't follow Bruno, you know, heavyweight champion of the world. Bob Backlund being the heavyweight champion of the world in 1980 was like CM Punk or Dean Ambrose being the heavyweight champion of the world today. You know, you know one, yeah. other, one other people, people that didn't buy it. What? Afa and Sika, Afa and Sika, the tag team title holders, were on that card as well. Can you tell us well, anything about what you saw with those two? Well, they were, you know, the Samoans are a different breed. <laughs> so I would say, hey, how you doing, guys? And then that's about all they would see of me. And then at night, you know, once the Samoans start drinking, I, I, you know, I didn't go anywhere. I'd hear the stories. In fact, the very, the very first time I met Afa was in Vancouver, British Columbia, and this was like in 1974, before the WWE, before the Samoans were even in the WWE. I met him. I met him out in the West Coast, and we were doing some shows, and all of a sudden, Afa said. I see you guys uh, next week. I have to go back to San Francisco, brother. And I said, oh, yeah, how come you got to go back to San Francisco? He goes, well, I got to go to court. I punched a guy in the face. I said, you got to go all the way back to San Francisco because you punched a guy in the face? And Apple said, well, he died. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Samoans were scary bastards. I mean, <laughs> I believe they, because they can give you a punch and break your neck, you die. So, anyway, he went back and took care of that, and I never messed with a Samoan since. No, no. All right, no. let me ask you something that's not wrestling related, but it is sports related. I've been asking a lot of our guests recently their opinion on it, and we've gotten varied opinions on this. Uh, in football, we see there's players not standing for the national anthem. Uh, do you believe that's their right, or do you believe uh, that they are wrong and they should be standing for the national anthem? Well, I believe everybody in this country, thank God, if you believe in a God, yeah, mm-hmm. has freedom. And freedom... Until you go to some parts of the world, you know, a lot of Americans really don't appreciate how great this place is. And, you know, and, you know, you got the freedom and and he's got the freedom to to do what he does. Personally, I I think it's a very bad taste because he, you know, is on TV, is a celebrity, is a role model to young people. And is a guy that was raised, you know, not suffering and makes a whole bunch of money. So, you know, when guys like that pull off stunts, I'm saying to myself, okay, well, seeing you, you know, want to do this and cause all this stuff, now your next move is with all this money you're making here, go down the streets of Chicago and straighten out that mess. You know, go to Charlotte and stop the riots. Go, you know, instead of just shooting your mouth off, go do something with all your money and all your influence. So these people that, you know, make a statement, shoot their mouth off, I want to see him do something. Yeah, celebrities put their uh, mouths off. You know, it's my opinion, and I know everything because I was in a movie. What the hell does that mean? So you read a script. What do we do? Are we supposed to believe you? Oh, I'm a celebrity. Uh, you know, it's, it's bullshit. 
So instead of opening yeah, no. his mouth, he, you know, he wants to go do something and help out the people there. I believe that you can go ahead. I, I, yeah, and you know what, Larry, I'm, I'm right kind of there with you in this, okay? I'm against it. I believe that, you know, the flag, let's give the flag and the country the respect. You're making millions. Your, your, your friends next to you are making millions, and you're talking about, you know, the problems in the country <clears throat> and the oppression and all that. But by, you know, not standing uh, for the national anthem, you're exactly what you said. You're not doing anything about it. I would rather see that person stand for the flag, show the respect for the men and women who have made this country free so that he could make millions throwing a football. Yeah. And then and then take those millions, like you said, and build an awareness. Get your millionaire buddies together, and let's build a forum so that there's better communication if you feel that communication needs to be done. Whatever you feel that needs to be done to help the relations, but, yeah, leave the flag alone. That's, that's just my opinion. Yeah, you want to do something, make a statement, but go do something then, you know? That's just the way I feel. We're yeah, going to go to Joey yeah. Cage. For one last one, Larry, jo- Joey Cage. All right. Going to go for one, and then we're going to get busy. And then uh, if we have time, one more for JT, and that's that'll be the show. Thank you. Uh, Joey Cage, what do you have? Yeah, Larry, really quick. As someone who is uh, in this, you know, new generation uh, of talent, you know, I, the one thing I got to ask you, uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners absolutely want to know, Larry Zabisco, the living legend, in your opinion, <laughs> Who is the top overall guy on today's product? Who's the overall top guy in today's product? Yes. Well, in terms of the way I think, I, I mean, Brock Lesnar, to me, is the, is the, the best draw they got. Right. He's a real, he's a real guy. Yeah. People people, it's easy to pretend in Brock Lesnar because he's a real guy. Right. So, in, in terms, you know, I think in terms of, you know, making money and getting this and that, and to me, you know, the bad thing about Brock Lesnar is you never get to see him much. <laughs> so, right. they have to make, you know, some new Brock Lesnar's. And, and there's some, you know, big, tough guys out there. So, we'll see what happens. I mean, they keep talking about a new era starting. I told Paul that four years ago. And, uh, you know, I think they're starting to separate because they went through the little guy's stage. And I, I thought they Because you got a lot of little guys. But people love to watch the little guys. They just don't pay to see them. So, right. you know, they get the cruiserweight thing going in there. And they got a, a hell of a performance center set up where they can train guys. And they got some. Big guys, and then you know, it should be. You know, I mean, a professional wrestler should be the big toughest guy. As far as I'm concerned, when I was raised, you know, if you were a professional wrestler, one on one, you could beat up anybody in the world, and that's how these guys got to think. That's how Brock thinks. Right, uh, Larry. Larry, are you moving around? I think we're losing you. 
No, I'm I'm still standing here. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought we were losing you. I thought we were losing you. Uh, no, you know one of the things uh, as a as a young up and coming wrestler, you got Joey Cage here. He's he's gone from MMA, Larry, and he's he's new in the wrestling business. Chopping it a bit, of, man. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he really is, and he's gotten. He's gotten a, a couple of matches under his belt, and he's just—he's one of those guys that are really eager to learn. What is what is some advice that you would give a guy, a young guy getting into wrestling? What what's something that you feel that they should know either about the business or uh, conducting themselves in that business? Well, I mean, conducting yourself in the business. I mean, guys have to realize. If you're going to become a professional wrestler, it's a profession. Some of these, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they, you know, they see it as kids. They want to be a wrestler. Oh my God, I can be a wrestler, and they kind of come in the business as marks. And you've got to realize you're coming in this business for one purpose: to make the most money you can. Because you're a professional, so, so you got to look at this as a profession and to make the most money. And to make the most money you can. You've got to be different than everybody else because people have already seen that. So, you know, the hard part for new guys is really, you know, coming up with something. And, and it basically stems again from what I said before when people thought I was a real asshole. It, it's <laughs> the character. First of all, you got to look the part. I mean, you know, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're not a big, tough-looking guy, and try to come off like one, people people probably laugh at you, you know. Right. But if you don't look like a big, tough-ass kicking guy, maybe you look like a great sneaky heel that has to cheat because you're not a big-ass kicking guy. You know, I mean, you have, to go, you have to look the part, number one. And then number two, you just have to not do what everybody else is doing, which is pretty simple not to do because everybody only does four things. Right. You know. Wow, that's great. But, and, and just, you know, look at it for what it is, professional wrestling. You go in there to wrestle. You're not there to, you know, run into corners and run into ropes and dive over. And, I mean, what the hell? So, yeah. you know, if, you were, if you were wrestling someone in an alley, you know, would you run to the wall, bounce off, and come running back? No. There's no psychology in that. No. Well, that's it, psychology. You just keep it simple. It's a wrestling match. It's not brain surgery. Right. <laughs> Don't make it more complicated than it is. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the good guy That's... can't beat the bad guy, so the bad guy gets pissed and cheats, and then the good guy loses his mind, beats him up. Yeah. No. Joey's uh, Joey's not making friends early there, Larry. He's uh, he's a heel, and he is uh, he's got Mako going after him, and uh, him going after Mako, uh, one of the other guys. And I'll tell you, it's. Uh, he, he he does pretty good as a heel. He's a, he's a good heel, he, and he's learning, so we like him here at FXD. Yeah. Well, some guys, you know, I mean, some guys have that. Some guys can walk out, and they're natural heels, and they know they they have a look. I mean, you know, you just want to slap their face. You know, I mean, so that's good, you know. Real quick, before, you know, before uh, I get to one last anyway. thing. What? Before I get to one last thing, Larry, I want Busy Jay. You got one more quick question for Larry? Yeah, I got one more quick question. With WWE pretty much monopolizing the wrestling industry, 
do you feel like we need a TNA, Ring of Honor, one of these companies to step up their game and be a true rival to save the wrestling industry? Well, you know what? Not really. I, I mean, I, 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 real, I really don't. I, you know, I mean, wrestling got huge with, with the Wrestle Wars, you know, with the WCW and WWE, because that was the first time it ever happened. Right. So it was novel. It was new. It never happened before. It was the first time. It was done right. People went berserk. Now they're in a different situation, but the WWE's production is is outrageous. I mean, it's awesome. The, the production value is, is is ridiculous. And but but they just have to make some stars. The state. I mean, they don't need competition. You know, between another television company they just need guys that the fans can go god i can't wait till brock wrestles this son of a bitch you know they just they just need to develop stars and matches so people go god for only 9.99 i can watch these two guys plus everything else you know so so they're, they're basically back to square one where every month you just want to sell a fan a ten dollar ticket for a seat in the garden so you know, there's there's just a way to you know program it, and uh, they've got a, you know plenty of TV and all that. But I, I think if, if they just make some stars, that's what people care about. You know, is the stars. You know, Larry, do me a favor. We got 30 seconds left. If you could do me one favor, so I could save it for posterity. Tell everybody sure. that you are Larry Zabisco, the legend, and you have been listening to FXE. Well, I am Larry Zabisco, the living legend, and I have been listening to FXE. That's right. And the fantasy gesture along with Larry Zabisco. (laughs) You got it. You know, Larry, you're fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. We look forward to having you again on the show sometime in the future. Thanks so much. Well, well, thanks, guys. And, yeah, you guys have a good one, too. Thank you, Larry. Have a great night. God bless. And that's it, folks. That is FXE Live today. Thanks for joining.